Hello, and welcome to episode 15 of the episodic audiobook, Fire, Pain, and Ruin, a Rutherford Manor novel. We are, yeah, episode 15. That means there are three left, which includes this, of the podcast version. And then uh, I'm going to take some time to finish up the audiobook, and uh, it'll be available in its full completion. So, If you haven't actually been following along, I would highly recommend checking out episode one because a lot has happened in these 15 episodes. For those that have tuned in, uh, man, uh, last week we were looking at uh, Louise kind of dealing with the aftermath of her um, interaction with Mr. Connors before Billy uh, (laughs) mutilated the man. And uh, she's just not doing very well. And then Lisa brought Samuel to their secret hideout. And uh, she ended up walking away, not wanting to deal with Samuel because she doesn't like how the boy is taking her sister away from her. And she found a dying rabbit. Louise went into a weird trance. She thought she saw Rowan uh, because Rowan's been missing since the incident of the ritual. And uh, she went into this weird trance of believing that. death was calling to her and she had to kill the rabbit but she killed it in a very torture uh torturistic if that's a word she tortured the rabbit before it died um and got blood all over her hands and she decided her calling was death following that uh spalding was trying to be a good family man still a lot of conflict inside of his brain um then penny uh, and him noticed that the girls come back. Louise has bloody hands because of the rabbit. She claims she fell. Um, Spalding uh, then goes to work and finds Father Isaac is dead. Just like how Alistair died many, many, many years ago. And Spalding finds it weird how the two deaths are identical, where both men were laying face first in the dirt, clutching feathers. So something came for Father Isaac. And Father Isaac knew a lot about uh, Rutherford Manor, more than Spalding ever thought. And that's kind of where we left off. So let's jump into episode 15 and find out what happens next. Chapter 30. Desperation. Okay, we will talk to the midwives, Great Uncle Billy said. Really? Louise asked. A rush of excitement burst into her briefly silencing the void. Great Uncle Billy was going to let her help him. Normally, he'd do things on his own. He was secretive. Yet, he was letting Louise in, and she couldn't be happier. It was a good distraction from the new normal. They're home today, or they should be, Great Uncle Billy said. I'll tell your mother that we're going to be a little longer with trapping lessons today. Okay. Louise said while hanging some clothes on a drying rack. She snagged another dirty piece of laundry and dumped it into the bucket of soapy water. When are we going? We'll go now. But I have these chores to do. I'll talk to your mother. Okay, Louise said. She wasn't exactly sure what Great Uncle Billy meant by that, but she'd trust him. He hadn't steered her wrong yet. If it got her out of doing laundry, all the better. Great Uncle Billy left the laundry room his heavy footsteps thumping as he moved throughout the manor. Louise found it amusing. She could always identify his whereabouts in the manor by the sound of his footsteps. Everyone had a different walking pattern. 
Mom's was always in a hurry. Father's was slower. Billy's was a lumbering thud after thud. She felt her heart race. They were going to get some answers. Finally. She knew that the midwives needed time to figure out what exactly had happened at the ritual. But those ladies couldn't keep them waiting like this. It was unfair. Plus, Louise wanted to ask Rowan if she had been in the forest that day with the rabbit. She thought it was Rowan, except for those claws. Maybe they were wings. It was hard to tell. She'd lost herself in the woods and then found her calling. Louise could share the exciting news with the midwives. Great Uncle Billy returned. We're good to go, Billy said. Just like that? Louise asked as she continued to scrub the clothes. She wasn't even halfway done. Yes, you can leave that in the bucket. Lisa's going to take over, Great Uncle Billy said. Yes, Louise thought, getting up from her stool and drying her hands. Good riddance, chores. Hello, adventure. The two left the stables, taking one of the horses out of its stall. Great Uncle Billy saddled the animal and hopped onto its back. He extended his hand to help Louise up. She hesitated to grab his hand, but pushed her resistance aside and took it gently. The man swung her up as if she were a feather. She landed with a thud on the animal's back just behind Great Uncle Billy. Aya! Great Uncle Billy commanded. The horse wheezed and bolted out of the stable. Louise held on tightly as the animal stormed onto the road. The speed was thrilling. She had never been on a horse moving so fast before. Great Uncle Billy was focused. In no time, they reached the familiar turnoff leading to the midwife's home. The horse slowed its pace to a steady stroll as they approached the cottage. Elise was outside, sitting by the ritual circle that they had used previously. The pebbles were still scattered in the same way. The center now had a hole, thanks to the lightning bolt. Billy, Louise, Elise said, standing to greet them. What brings you here? Great Uncle Billy slid off the horse and helped Louise down. We'd like to talk about what happened at the ritual. It's a month, and we still have received no answers. Elise let out a sigh. <sighs> let me gather Rachel, she said. Great Uncle Billy and Louise waited outside as Elise went indoors. The two of them stared at the ritual circle. That was where it had happened. The intense sensation of power. Louise had never experienced anything like it. She wanted to know what it was. They'd get their answers today. She was sure of it. Rachel and Elise appeared from the cottage, walking slowly toward Great Uncle Billy and Louise. It's good to see you again, Billy, Rachel said. Likewise, Great Uncle Billy said. Where's Rowan? She's been doing some self-searching, Elise said. I saw her, I think, Louise said, in the forest a couple of days ago. You did? Rachel asked. What did she say to you? She didn't say anything, Louise said. She just stared at me. I experienced something strange in the forest. I... I think I found my calling. Like the intuition you talked about. Rowan was watching, and then she was gone. Elise and Rachel exchanged looks. What did you discover? Elise asked. Death, Louise said. I felt death. There was a dying rabbit. And Rowan didn't say anything? Rachel asked. Louise began to wonder how much she could tell them. There was an owl. What she'd done wasn't normal. The midwives weren't normal either. 
If there was anyone she could ask, it was them. I heard a voice. Then I heard an owl, a lot like the one at the ritual. This is most interesting, Elise said. Louise, Great Uncle Billy said. Why didn't you tell me? I didn't think it was a big deal and you're busy, Louise said. What did you do to the rabbit? I followed my intuition. Just like when the midwives said they found their calling in the forest. I followed death. I helped the rabbit. This is worse than we thought, Rachel said. What does that mean? Great Uncle Billy asked. We have given you time to think about it. We need answers. This is affecting Louise now. Rowan hasn't been the same since that owl attacked her. We've given her space to breathe. Everyone needs isolation once in a while. Why was she watching me? Louise asked. We're not sure, Rachel said. That curse, Elise said. Billy, it has something to do with this. We got ahead of ourselves. We underestimated this demon. We didn't think much of it when you came to us, Rachel said. We've helped people before with pregnancy. We've expelled bad spirits. This seemed so familiar to us. We were blinded. Are we able to perform the ritual again? Great Uncle Billy asked. I don't think so, Elise said with a frown. Vivian is devastated. I don't know what to tell her. I don't think she will ever be okay. My wife, Great Uncle Billy said. He was frustrated. We're so sorry, Billy, Elise said. We did everything we could. Rowan's time away might prove some insight. She was directly affected by the ritual. We only caught a glimpse of what the curse was. She was the target, Billy said. By Munat, Louise asked. The demon? That's correct, Rachel said. But Rowan is a strong woman. She'll come back to us with some insight. This is pointless, Great Uncle Billy said, shaking his head. There's nothing for me here now. Munat infects everything she touches. Your wife loves you, Elise said. I can see it in her eyes. As I do her, but I have to provide for her. What type of husband doesn't? There are other methods of birthing a child. My mother found one. Don't go there, Billy, Rachel said. You'll damn your child as your mother damned you. Great Uncle Billy's nostrils flared. He said nothing, knowing they were right. Louise was able to piece it together too. They were in a dead end in their quest for answers. They'd have to wait for Rowan. There has to be another way, Great Uncle Billy, Louise said. We'll find it. If it's not here, somewhere else. Maybe we can try the forest. It gave me answers. It showed me death. Don't get hung up on it, Rachel said. The forest shows you many things. It could have simply been the animal calling for help. You provided mercy to the poor thing. It was so surreal. Such certainty. I heard it. Like I knew what to do for the animal, Louise said. She knew to strangle and torture it while being in the strange trance. The whispers in her mind. Rowan staring at her. Louise knew she had not provided a mercy kill like the midwives thought. She was familiar with the term from Great Uncle Billy. Louise had inflicted pain on the animal, forcing it to endure an agonizing death. That detail she'd best leave out. Maybe she could tell Great Uncle Billy later. The midwives didn't need to know. 
She didn't want to disappoint them. They would judge her. When is Rowan back? Great Uncle Billy asked. I need to talk to her. These things take time, Billy, Elise said. They're not linear with strict deadlines. Give her some space and she will return, Rachel said. We're so sorry, Billy, Elise said. We really wish there was more we could do for you. They weren't going to get much more information. The midwives had used all their resources and despite their fantastical magic, they could do no more. With that, Great Uncle Billy and Louise left, mounting their horse and returning to Rutherford Manor. We'll find another way, Louise said while on the ride back. It broke the exceptionally long moment of silence. Maybe Great Aunt Lilith knows a way with her plants. We have tried working with plants, Great Uncle Billy said. Could Great Uncle Knox help? He is an inventor, right? He knows a lot of science stuff, Louise asked. Asking for his help is on the agenda. He's been quite preoccupied lately, but he may have some answers for me. If I find out anything, I'll let you know. I know there are other methods. Darker methods. I am not afraid to go down this road to give Vivian what she wants, Great Uncle Billy said. The midwife said no, Louise said. Maybe Rowan will be back before we know it. I don't think so, Great Uncle Billy said. These midwives run on their own time. Let me contemplate this. You have your own worries to deal with. Not really, Louise said. I still don't feel good, but I think that's the new normal. I was referring to the rabbit. You heard death. The owl. You saw Rowan. These are strange signs, Louise. The midwives may not be as concerned. They have faith in their sister. I am concerned. I know Munat. You think I saw Munat? Yes. Who is she? Louise asked. Munat? She is the closest thing to the devil I've ever known. She is real and relentless. Be careful when you're in the forest, Louise. There may be beautiful things there. You may find yourself at peace, but there is also a dark side to it. It's unforgiving and full of evil. Those are the weapons of Munat. You don't think that was my calling? Death. I could be the Lady of Death. I highly doubt it, Louise. That was nothing more than Munat trying to reach out to you. Never listen to her, Billy said. Louise bit her lip. Great Uncle Billy was so stern about this. Again, he had never steered her wrong. He didn't understand what she'd experienced, though. The oneness. Still, she knew it was best to listen to him. Great Uncle Billy was protecting her. He had experience with Munat. Louise had nothing. She was just a troubled girl. She gazed at the forest as she held on to Great Uncle Billy. She could see open spots between the trees. The rest of it was shrouded in darkness from the thick foliage. Something about it magnetized her. A brunette woman appeared. Rowan. Louise lost sight of her in a moment. Was it her imagination? Maybe Rowan wasn't there at all. Maybe it was all in her head, and her mind was playing tricks on her. Maybe it was Munat. Chapter 31 Road of Duty Fists slammed. The crowd cheered. The scent of sweat, booze, and cigarettes filled the air. A smoky haze floated below the ceiling. Drunks. 
fighting, joy and anger, the one place Spaulding found he could clear his head, his own sense of meditation. Through all the chaos and noise, he was just another face in the crowd. It gave him time to think. He could contemplate. Life was proving difficult. The succubus, Irene. He had to figure that one out. Penny, his continually distancing wife. The paperwork of the funeral home, technical and bland. The death of Father Isaac, disturbing. Billy entered the nearest ring to take on a man of similar size. It would be an interesting fight. The size was never a problem for Billy. His methods were always unconventional. Maybe there was something to that curse. Billy rushed the man, hands coiled into fists, swinging wildly. His beefy bald opponent stepped aside, trying to dodge the attack. He lifted his forearms to deflect the first punch. The second made it through, slamming into his ribs. Billy recovered and swung again. The man managed to get one blow into Billy's chin. The attack was useless. Billy didn't stop. He was enraged. Nothing would slow him down. The fight was over within seconds as the bald man toppled onto the ground face first. The crowd laughed and booed. That was the typical reaction when Billy fought. All of Rowley's prejudice came out when they watched an indigenous man fight. It was ugly and it sickened Spaulding, but there wasn't much he could do about it. If anyone acted out, Billy could surely handle himself. The repercussions weren't worth it. Spaulding, on the other hand, could take action. Of course, he had to stick to the rules of Fight Club. No fights beyond the rings. Billy gathered his things and left the ring, moving in Spaulding's direction. Spaulding raised his drink. Well done, my friend. Glad to see you in the ring again. It's good to be back, Billy said. I haven't seen you fight like that in a while. Perhaps I had some frustrations to get out. I'd say, Spaulding said while taking a sip of his beer. That's why I'm here tonight too. This is closer to my church than Father Haywood's has ever felt. Billy lit himself a cigarette. I don't understand why you take the girls there. There's so much more they could learn beyond the teachings of religion. It helps our image, trust me. We don't need Rowley sniffing around us. It's best to keep a low profile. Speaking of, you hear about Father Isaac? No, Billy asked, taking a puff. He's dead. That makes two bodies since the spring. Maxwell Connors and Father Isaac. I had nothing to do with Father Isaac, Billy said. Aye, Father Isaac's death was too close to Alistair's. He was found on the side of the road, face down, owl feathers. Billy nodded, not surprised. I never bought that Niles was the man who did it. It didn't line up. There were other forces at work, evil ones. Maybe, Spaulding said. He didn't buy into all the mojo stuff. He knew Lilith did, though. Fifteen years ago, she had sensed a bizarre aura surrounding Alistair's death, if that meant anything. Billy stared at Spaulding for several moments. The man was thinking. This was the most he'd gotten out of Billy for a long time. The man had been so distant. Finally, Billy spoke. I've been frustrated, Spaulding. Really, Spaulding said, raising an eyebrow. Billy's behavior was so clear. Really, the curse. It's stronger than I thought. Vivian and I, we have been having issues trying to conceive. We have been trying to have a child for years. This whole time? Spaulding said in a low tone. 
I thought you and Vivian said you wanted to wait till the time was right. No. The truth is, we have been trying ever since we got married. We've had no luck. I had a hunch it was my curse, but had no way of proving it. It shames me. That is not your fault. That was your mother's doing. You're splendid to Vivian. Thank you, Spaulding. But that still doesn't give my wife what she wishes for most. A baby. Your girls, Louise and Lisa, took notice. They mentioned our troubles to the midwives. Together, we visited them. Lisa and Louise? Spaulding asked, surprised. He had no idea there was a problem. Spaulding had been so wrapped up in his own mess that he hadn't realized other pieces were moving at Rutherford Manor. Damn Irene. Yes, we tried a ritual. The midwives were very familiar with the ritual. They said it was almost routine for them. This one backfired. There was a storm, lightning, wind, and an owl. All bad omens. The owl attacked one of the midwives. It all went away soon as we broke the ritual. It's my curse. Vivian is devastated. I'm not sure what to do, Spaulding. I know methods that work that could give her a child. But I know I shouldn't go down the dark path. I've got your back, Billy. You know that, Spaulding said, slapping his friend on the arm. Don't be so secluded. I had no idea you were going through all of this. I was ashamed. And I haven't been? You've seen me at my worst. Have I? Billy said, as his eyes trailed off to the distant part of the room. Curiosity overcame Spaulding and he followed Billy's eyes to see her redhead moving through the crowd toward them. She took her time, practically strutting in their direction. Those hips, the dimple. Shit, Spaulding said. He felt the hairs on his back stand up. Desire and self-hate. He couldn't keep this up. That is a face we haven't seen in a while, Billy said. No, Spaulding said. He couldn't do this. Not with Billy here. He could shrug off Jacob, but not Billy. He had already proven himself unfaithful to his family. That was not the kind of man he would be. Spaulding chugged the rest of his beer in one gulp. He exhaled. I'll take care of this, Spaulding said, handing Billy his empty glass. You sure? Billy asked, taking it. Yeah, I got this, Spaulding said, storming toward the redhead. He had to stay strong. If he didn't, he would leave Fight Club with Irene, go back to her inn, and have another raunchy evening of alcohol and rough sex. He couldn't. Billy would know. He'd lose the respect of his friend. There's my tall, handsome man, Irene said, placing her hand on his chest. Stay strong, Spaulding thought. He gripped her wrist. Outside. Right now, Irene said with a smile. You missed me. Now, Spaulding said while dragging her by the wrist toward the exit. He could resist the temptress. He had to. Spaulding led her up the stairs out of the fight club basement. She followed him without any resistance. Their physical dance. That chemistry. She could be submissive when he wanted her. It wasn't fair that something so good could be wrapped in something so destructive. He stormed down the dark street and around the corner to the back alley. No one was here. It was dark. Not even the lamp lights were on. The only light was from the stars. He let go of her arm and pushed her aside. We can't keep doing this anymore. This has to end now, 
Spaulding said. Sweetie, Irene said while taking a step toward him. You say this every time. No, Spaulding said, taking a step back. I have a family. They need me. We had fun. It was great. Believe me, I enjoyed it, but that was a past life. You missed that boat. Irene stopped in her tracks. Are you serious? She asked. What holds you here so much? Rowley is a dead-end town. Your misfit band at Rutherford Manor is holding you back. You're so much more. It's my duty. My father did it for me, and it's what I do for my kids. Spalding, dear, you know what you and I have. Why not embrace it? We're good for one another. We can leave this all behind. Drop everything at that manor and your butcher shop. I can leave the white hand. We could get out of Illinois. Say goodbye to all of this. Start over. All that strange stuff that happens to you would be left here. My ties with the mob would be severed. It would be a clean slate. We'd be free. She made a persuasive argument. All the complications would end. His futile attempts to make a simple life at the butcher shop hadn't amounted to much. All he was doing was covering up Knox's bloody trail. Billy embraced his curse. His girls had the flesher bloodline that made them gravitate towards the disturbed. Then there was his wife, the distant one. Now, Rowley had a mysterious murder again. Irene was offering him a way out. It could all be over. Please, Irene said, their feet barely touching. She locked eyes with him. I never stopped thinking about you. She leaned in to give him a kiss. Spalding froze. His lips relaxed and he allowed the woman to take control of him. She slid her arms around him, and he embraced her. The two pressed against one another, wrapping into a tangled mess as he pushed her against the back of the building with a heavy slam. Excited hands began to pull off her shirt as she unbuckled his trousers. It was starting again. The intense passion that he couldn't get away from. He was a slave to whatever she wanted. This was the type of man he was. A man that would abandon his family. They'd never forgive him. His girls would disown him. Billy would disrespect him. Penny would leave. Fleshers and savages divided. No, this couldn't happen again. Spaulding was a savage, the son of Gerald Savage. Spaulding pushed himself off Irene, knocking her against the building. Her head must have rebounded against the wood. A little rough, Irene said, rubbing her skull. No, Spaulding said, raising his index finger. It's done. I'm not doing this anymore. He quickly buckled his pants. Spalding, Irene said. What's gotten into you? She covered her breasts with her hands. Maybe a little less liquor than usual? It doesn't matter, because this isn't happening anymore. Let's not do this. Come on. She reached for him. No, you missed your chance. I moved on. Goodbye. I made a mistake, Spalding, Irene cried. That was years ago, and I should have taken you then. Don't you give anyone a second chance? The moonlight highlighted the tear running down her cheek. She was emotional. She was telling the truth. Irene had feelings for him that she had suppressed. He couldn't let that get to him. This was her mistake. It's over, Irene, Spaulding said. Good luck. He turned and marched away, not looking back. He couldn't look back. That was how one fell into temptation. He left the woman in the back alley with her shirt undone and heart exposed for the world to see. Subtle cries echoed softly behind him. Good. A taste of her own medicine. 
It was an unintentional metaphoric knife twist. It felt good, despite his heartache. Irene was right. There was something between them. But it was over. Spalding was a man of family and duty. And that is the end of episode 15. Oh man, Spalding finally came through. He resisted Irene. And she confessed her undying love for him, essentially. And it looks like uh, Billy and Louise have to figure out something because Billy wants to give his wife a kid. And uh, Louise seems to just, yeah, be stuck in her death complex. Well, we've got a couple more left of the audiobook on this podcast. And uh, if you can't wait and need to jump ahead, you can always grab the book in ebook or print format on Amazon. And uh, if you haven't, check out my Patreon where there is a monthly new short story happening every month. So until next week, I'll catch you then. Ciao.